Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now to break down all the market action, he's a man behind the Dividend Titan Finance blog, quite a reader himself, by the way, Willie King. Good morning. Good morning, Michelle. How, how's Thursday <laughs> been going so far? Great. I mean, well, this is this is a great day. I know I had my coffee this morning, ah. so all ready for action. Fantastic. <laughs> Good to know. We start this morning with a look at corporate profits. I like to do it all in one sentence, so see whether you can guess which other companies I'm going to be looking at. Uh, in China, by the way. So I found myself scrolling through my phone this morning. And uh, there are a couple of video games there, but I was looking to buy something, of course. So good online deals is what I was looking at. I came across an EV, mm. electric vehicle. I didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guess which three industries I'm looking at today? If you said, do you want to ha- take a guess? Well, I mean, if you are talking about China, we can never. It's very hard to ignore technology. <laughs> it's very hard to ignore vehicles, electric vehicles. So I'll be. I'll be thinking about the top three. You know, you have JD.com, you have Alibaba, you have Tencent, and I guess you have Neo or Xpeng. That's it. You know, it's so hard. I put him on the spot knowing that he knows the answers as well and then he's got to come back. <laughs> uh, sort of <laughs> pretending like he doesn't know the answers. Uh, well done, Willie. So Tencent, JD.com, Xpeng are the companies in focus. So let's start with Chinese tech giant Tencent. It is the world's largest video game company. It also, by the way, owns WeChat, in case you haven't already known. Uh, and it grossed more than $28 billion in the third quarter. This, by the way, the third straight quarter of growth. So what is driving Tencent's earnings, Willie? Yeah, I mean, this last year was one of the toughest years for Chinese video games, especially for gaming companies like Tencent because of the regulatory crackdown. But, you know, for this year, I think it seems like this whole idea of this whole narrative of regulatory uh, crackdown has sort of been subsided at the side. That's why it was really driving for Tencent. It's um, really, it's gaming business. I mean, right now it has actually posted its domestic gaming revenues for the quarter actually grew 5% and it was really driven by some of its big titles including um, its game Lost Ark, shooting game Valorant uh, which are all developed by Riot Games and they are launched by Tencent in the first time in, Ch- in China in July. So during an analyst call um, yesterday, it has highlighted, the gaming company has highlighted nine games, which included, you know, Honor of Kings, your Valorant Mobile, some of these big games, you know, it has actually posted pretty good results here. So really on the back of people, you know, wanting to continue with gaming in China. Okay, and the online advertising business saw a boost as well, right? 20% jump apparently. Yeah, I mean, if you look, if you look at the advertising business, because Tencent, you know, it really drives, it has two big businesses here. One is its advertising business, its gaming business. Mm. Um, its advertising has been doing very well. And the thing is, right, what, what is surprising here is mm. that from last year, a lot of people on markets have been talking about how China has been clamping down on, for example, advertising because they want to reduce the, the amount of predatory advertising to consumers. They want to actually, you know, control the amount of screen time with its use. But it doesn't seem to be the case here as Tencent actually reported more, you know, fresh data or sort of more positive, optimistic um, outlook here. Yeah, shares of Tencent up 7.5% over the past month in Hong Kong trade. They've been up 15% since the beginning of the year. Now let's turn to e-commerce form, uh, firm JD.com. It grossed $34 billion US dollars in the last quarter. That, by the way, is better than expected. So when you look at JD.com's results, what stands out for you? I mean, if you look at its 
it looks at, at its gross merchant gross merchandise value. It has actually grown in some sense. If you look at, uh, it is one of the largest e-commerce players here for JD.com, and it's also um, competing with your the likes of your Alibaba, your PDD Holdings. And the difference between Alibaba and PDD Holdings is JD.com. They do also provide sort of your supply chain technology and services. And really, it has been driven um, by its efforts on trying to be more competitive, price competitive, and within its platform ecosystem. I mean, don't forget, you know, we recently had our 11-11 Singles Day. You also had the Chinese Golden Week. So JD.com is really very aggressive in pushing out, trying to sell more items on its platform here. So that's really what's driving its um, profitability in this latest quarter. Mm. Next up, I'm going to look at Chinese EV maker Xpeng ramping up production, but the company's operating losses are growing as well. Why is that? Okay, this is this is pretty interesting here. I mean, if you are looking at his recent quarterly operating loss, it's really due, from, due coming from its production ramp up. So it needs time to actually ramp up production because for companies, you cannot just say, okay, I'm going to produce this amount of vehicles and then I start to sell them all. Mm-hmm. You have to actually put in some money, put in some capital. So that takes time and you will actually incur some operating costs at the start before you can smoothly ramp up your production and do your deliveries after that. So I think for expert that is really what is driving this quarter. So trying to spend a, a little bit more money in trying to ramp up and that's why it has seen its operating loss sort of widen. So if, if you look at companies, you look at a company, it is expecting deliveries in the fourth quarter to grow at least uh, two-folds between 60,000 to 63,000 um, on its um, electric vehicles. Yeah, it is going head-to-head with Tesla's Model Y. It wants to compete with that. Have you seen the inside of a Tesla? Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Tesla and, or Xpeng? Oh, Tesla. I mean, Tesla, okay. can we actually sit can you actually have the expert here in Singapore? I don't know about that, but I have been ogling the inside of one virtually, of course. Wow, I mean... Yeah, it looks amazing. I said, I in, a, I said in a Tesla and it feels... You know what it feels like, Michelle? It feels like Spaceship. a spaceship. Oh, right? I know the feeling. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it feels like you want to take off. <laughs> That's the exact word which came into my mind. <laughs> it feels like if you hit the wrong switch, you're literally going to take off. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it really, it really feels like a spaceship and it's so comfortable. Yeah, I know what you mean. All right, if we take a step back, what do you think these results tell us about the health of China's economy? I mean, it seems like it's... It, it doesn't seem... It doesn't paint like a very optimistic result. I mean... On and off, there are on a broader sector, you are seeing, you know, sort of a low than expected sales growth. I think a lot of people are expecting really huge uh, volume or huge growth coming out from your Golden Week, China's Golden Week, coming from the recent singles, uh, 11-11 singles day, but which, by the way, haven't really been uh, fully out yet. You still have Alibaba. They haven't really fully disclosed the, the, the numbers yet, but it doesn't seem like... Um, Broadly speaking, people are really expecting, you know, the, the expectations for a higher consumption number is actually much higher, but it doesn't seem so to be the numbers here because what they're reporting are more of like a low sin- single digit growth here. But on this, on one hand, but on the other hand, we are also looking at individual companies um, such as JD.com, for example, Tencent, which have actually been surprising despite some of this bad news in China where they have been, you know, posting pretty good results, you know, in terms of its advertising revenue, its gaming revenue. In fact, you know, I was um, sitting down with a company two days ago Hmm. on a gaming company. So I met the company management and he was telling me that a lot of these games, right, they are actually doing pretty well. He 
his his particular company is listed in Hong Kong, sells some of this what you call MMORPGs in China, massive multiplayer online games, and they've been doing really well because they have been attracted uh, attracting young adults to play the games. And this really came in stark contrast where you're talking about uh, people not wanting to spend, um, talking about the China the Chinese government trying to put a big clamp down on some of these games. But it's a very different story when I talk to him on a company management level. And in fact, he did tell me about how the gaming uh, regulation is very specific to a particular age group in China. Mm. So they're focusing on the teens, uh, teenagers. But if you're looking at uh, young adults or youths, right, they also like to play games, you know, not just mobile games or even PC games. And those are a very big market, which I think the market is sort of ignoring here. So it's actually very interesting because on one hand, you might be looking at some of this uh, bad news, which people don't really like about China. Mm-hmm. But if you sort of go down on the ground and talk to some of these individual companies, they do actually paint a different story. And the data actually shows, I mean, now is the earnings season for China. So there are many companies they are trying to get uh, in touch with investors, trying to talk to investors. And this is really what I'm observing on the ground here. China's definitely always got its eye on the future. So we've taken a look at the economy. I need to get your take on Chinese stocks and ask this question because you've been on my show so many times. We've discussed this. Are you still a bull? Is this uh, still a good time for an investor to buy in if they're not already invested in Chinese equities? I mean, the best time to be buying was actually yesterday, Michelle. But yesterday has passed, so I think the best time is now. I, I, I always like China, and my view has never changed for China. I mean, if you look at the long term, again, you know, this is a narrative which I've been saying on your show over and over again. I mean, 1.4 billion people in China, you have a very flourishing middle income group. And I would like to disagree on people talking about the high youth unemployment rate, because if you look on the ground, people are generally very hardworking. If you go to the different cities, if you're talking to friends, people on the ground, you know, they, they are all, all striving to want to improve themselves. Mm. And as a result of this improvement, you know, people want to spend more, they want to enjoy a higher living standard. I mean, these days, why would you want to own a Blackberry from 20 years ago when you can have the smartphone? So it's very different here. And don't forget one thing which I always share with people that China has skipped an entire generation of emails and they move straight into messaging. That's why Tencent has been so popular with its uh, WeChat messaging platform. Mm-hmm. Right? You have hundreds of million people on board that platform, talking, buying things, doing business. And it's very different you know, in the US and even in Singapore where we are still using traditional emails. Yeah, you'd say maybe they've also skipped a whole generation of reliance on credit cards you know, with the QR codes and payment on WeChat as well. Yeah, I mean, if you look... If you go to China, sometimes you don't even need to have notes in your wallet. I mean, you just use a smartphone. And even if you want to donate money along the streets to people selling uh, stuff, they have a tag, you know, which they hang around, for example, their neck or their stand. So you don't even want, so you don't put coins there. You you use a QR code to donate. Even for the smallest things. Yeah, even my magic dumplings in Beijing. (laughs) Which are breakfast dumplings, by the way. Fantastic. All right, next, let's bring the conversation to Singapore. We talked briefly yesterday about how Sea Limited sank back in the red last quarter. Investors were expecting a profit, but Sea actually lost nearly 144 million US dollars. Analysts are now cutting their target price for a Sea stock. Maybank, for example, has cut its target price for a Sea by more than 20% to 62 US dollars a share. If we look at Sea's current price, though, it's trading at less 
less than $40. So even though Maybank has cut its target price, the target is still more than 50% higher than where C is trading now. So what do you make of this? The headline is bearish. But the prediction is actually bullish. So what do we take away from C? I mean, are C shares offering good value or is it a good idea to stay away until this company proves it can make money? Yeah, I mean, Michelle, for for the longest time, I'm always contrarian to what analysts are saying. And despite the fact that I was an analyst before, I never really fully agree with what analysts say on the street. And But this time, for analysts talking about C, um, I have to agree with them on their cut in their target price for C Limited because I've always been a huge uh, respect for C's gaming business, which is the Garena business. You know, they have been growing that platform very well. And, you know, it's, it surprises me, you know, they are one of the few Singapore-based companies which can compete with other top gaming companies. I mean, gaming companies are highly competitive. But what I sort of disagree with the business or the company is that they are pouring a lot of money or a lot of capital into their shopping platform or the Shopee platform, which has been a very, very tough time. You know, you don't just compete with, um, you know, the likes of Alibaba or Lazada, but you also have your individual regional platforms in Indonesia, in Malaysia. They all have their own e-commerce platform. It's generally very difficult to compete in Asia just so because of the logistics and supply chain issue. So as a result, you can see how C Limited is um, missed their 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 quarterly estimates, and they've also posted that $144 million loss. And really because, you know, they have been pouring a lot of money into the Shopee platform, which hasn't so far um, been making much money. And it doesn't help the fact that um, its founder, Forrest Lee, also, you know, came out to say that they are going to point more money on this e-commerce platform, which until now, I don't really have a good idea on why they're doing so. Mm. Maybe I'm missing out something. But as far as I know, you know, as an investor, if I'm looking at companies, I want to see predictable earnings. And the predictable earnings is not coming from Shopee. It's coming from its gaming business. Mm, it's coming from gaming, not Shopee. It's still very clunky for me when I try to buy on it, I have to say. Let's zoom out and take a look at U.S. markets right now. The big box retailer Target led stocks higher after reporting stronger than expected profits. Target shares jumped nearly 18% overnight. The Dow, meanwhile, finished up half a percent. The S&P 500, Nasdaq, both finished in the green as well. Not as much, though. Time now for corporate news. And let's get on that seesaw. Is it up? Is it down for General Motors? Yep. General Motors is an app for me and Interestingly, it has recently bought one of Tesla's critical suppliers in its GigaCast technology. So General Motors is really getting into the whole electric vehicle game and is trying to sort of make Tesla a run for its money. So this is an up for me. I love it when we disagree. So two headlines about GM caught my eye this morning. One, GM is joining F1. It's not going to happen for another five years, but I think it's quite exciting for the car maker. However, we also learned this morning that Warren Buffett's company, Berkshire, has Hathaway has sold off the last of its stake in GM. So down in my books for General Motors. You can choose which way you want to go. Microsoft is next. Microsoft is an app for me after it revealed two of its AI computing chips. So it said that it don't plans to sell this chip, but rather is trying to use it to power some of its AI softwares. Also, it's Microsoft 365 um, productivity app. And as at the same time, also using it in its cloud infrastructure. So it's in a bid to actually rival against uh, some of its um, um, competitors, such as your Amazon Web Services. So in all in all, I think this is a great thing as it 
tries to cement its position as a powerhouse within the technology space, within its cloud services space. So this is an up for me. I agree with you. I've been taking a closer look at this. It is Microsoft's first chip for artificial intelligence. I think what's interesting is this could compete with NVIDIA's highly sought-after AI graphics processing unit. So I'm going to give Microsoft an up this morning. Let's take a look now at Indonesian copper and gold miner Aman Mineral. Mm, so this is an up for me after its shares have surged more than fourfold since its listing in earlier July and it's it's expected its shares to keep on rising after it's included in a major emerging market indices. So this is always good news for many shares who actually made it into the index. So I would say it's like a glory moment for them because once it's in the index, a lot of big institutions will start to buy them because big institutions, don't forget, they do track some of these indices. They do buy some of these um, big companies which are listed in the in- indices and they tend to follow the benchmark. Glory moment indeed on two counts. So MSCI says it will add the company to a key index. This is Aman Mineral. And the FTSE Russell may also add Aman Mineral to its indices as well. So definitely an up for Indonesia's copper and gold miner Aman Mineral. Let's look at Grab, Willie. Yeah, this is a down for me. It's pretty sad for me, I guess, because you are looking at some of the top management leaving the the business itself. So you have mm-hmm. Grab Holdings President Ming Ma who is leaving the Southeast Asia ride-hailing and food delivery company. And at the same time, you also have its co-founder Tan Hui Ling who will quit the board by December even though she promised to hold on to her share stake in Grab. So this really comes at a time when Grab is trying to um, turn profitable and yeah. at the same time also competing in terms of its food delivery and transport system. Let's take a closer look at the brain drain. So Grab losing its second top executive in the past six months. As you heard, Ming Ma, who is Grab's president, is stepping down in April. Earlier this year, Grab's co-founder Tan Hui Ling said she'd step down from her operational roles, I believe, by the end of the year. So I'd say that is a down for Grab. It is also worth noting that Grab shares have lost about two-thirds of their value since the company listed went public about two years ago. Okay, Willie, I saw this next story. I said I absolutely have to ask you about it. After all, you are the dividend titan. And the headline reads, Record dividends expected for Singapore's largest stocks this year. This is apparently the prognosis of the asset manager, Janus Henderson. So how does Singapore stack up compared to other markets in the region, Willie? Yeah, I mean, when I first, when I first read this, I was excited. I mean, wow, since COVID till now, Huge change. I mean, you have all the dividend cuts back then. And it seems like things have sort of turned more positive for our little island city. Because if you see the strong growth in Singapore's banking stocks, they have actually increased their payout by 30%, about one third. And if you compare to the other Asia-Pacific regions, um, excluding Japan, you have dividends which are down 9% across the regions, the overall regions. And this was the weakest uh, region for the quarter itself. And the main declines are really coming from com- um, countries like Australia and Taiwan. So Australian dividends have fell, fell 18, 17% to $26 billion, uh, really because of the steep cuts in the mining sector. So don't forget that Australia, in the Australian market, 
besides financials, you have a lot of commodities and mining companies in Australia. And as a result of the easing of the supply chain disruption, where once upon a time, all these mining stocks were doing very well, now they are starting to see the dividend cuts as the prices starts to ease, the companies are seeing lower profits, and as a result, you have seen lower dividend payout. So another one is also the Taiwanese companies as well, because Taiwan, Taiwan companies, they tend to be driven a lot by semiconductors, mm. technology companies. Mm-hmm. So with the fact that in the US, you're talking about semiconductor going into a trough in their supplies, this could also, this would also affect Taiwanese companies. And as a result, you are looking at payouts falling about 17% to about $22 billion. So that's more than half of these companies which are captured in the index that has cut their dividends. Fascinating. I'm always excited when I sit across a real-life investor and I get to probe his investment thesis. So back to that headline, record dividends expected for Singapore's largest stocks this year. Now, would you say that dividend payments are the best reason to invest in Singapore stocks? So are you looking at capital gains primarily or dividend payouts as an investor? Yeah, I mean, Michelle, I always share with uh, people who want to start out investing that I always see um, U.S. stocks as like driving a Ferrari. You know, if you like something fast, if you like something aggressive and you like growth, that's where you want to be looking at. But in Singapore... I would say Singapore stocks are a lot like driving a family sedan car, right? You're driving a Toyota Corolla. You want safe. You want comfort. You know, you don't want anything too exciting. Having said that, you probably are not going to expect huge capital gains in Singapore stocks. Primarily, the reason why if you look if you dig closer into these businesses or these companies, you know, there are over 600 companies in Singapore. Mm. Many of them, they tend to actually focus not just in property or financials, but sometimes they don't really expand overseas. And even they do, it's very difficult to compete against some of their overseas competitors. So this, as a result, the growth you might see could slightly be slower than some of the bigger markets or the companies where they are well positioned, the big markets like the US or even in China. In Singapore, you know, you have a much smaller population and that's really what's driving a smaller growth in across these Singapore companies. But having said that, it isn't necessarily a bad thing because slower growth also means stability. So you have recurring revenue, which allows them to consistently pay these dividends. And that's what we are seeing in the latest Janice Henderson report. Ferrari versus comfortable family sedan. I love that analogy. We'll take a closer look at that chip trough over in the US, what that means for you investors at 10.05. In the meantime, all that's left for me to do is say thank you, Dividend Titan, for being with us. Always a joy to speak with you, Willie. Thank you, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.